0: We are in a series right now entitled "Solomon Says." It's based on that kids' game Simon Says, and whatever Solomon says is a really important thing. We need to listen to it, and we need to conduct and live our lives accordingly. And uh, we've been talking about we've talked about the fear of God. We last week looked at the discipline of God, both not only in submitting to God's discipline, but also. Uh, developing discipline within our lives and um, sometimes that's just what it is to be a disciple a disciple of Jesus is someone who disciplines their life after the pattern of Jesus Christ and so we talked about that last week today I want to talk about the heart I want to dig into the heart today and uh, I've entitled this message today this is what Solomon says guard your heart or you could lose it that's the title today and i want to come out of proverbs chapter 4 and i'm going to begin at verse 20 <clears throat> excuse me at verse 20 and this is what solomon says he says my son pay attention to what i say turn your ear to my words do not let them out of your sight keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body above all else everybody say above all else Back, let's read this line together. Ready? Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Let me continue. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Going back to verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The New Living Translation says, guard your heart, because what comes out determines the course of your life. And so we want to talk about this today. Now, every day that we live, our physical heart beats 100,000 times and pumps 2,000 gallons of blood through 60 miles of blood vessel. I bet you didn't know that. Maybe you did. The the size of our heart is about the size of our fist. If you make your fist, that's about the size of your human heart, and it weighs anywhere from 8 to 10 ounces. Heart disease is still, to this date, the number one killer across the world. That's what people die from. An interesting fact is that most heart attacks happen on Monday when people are on their way to work. So as they're driving to work, stress begins to rise. i got to deal with that person again. And then then the, the stress rises, and so does the blood pressure. And when the blood pressure rises, uh, it exposes all those issues and, and weaknesses of the human heart, which, may, which make, to, make us susceptible to heart failure. Now, just as the physical heart is essential to life, so too the spiritual heart. What's going on in our heart is the most important thing to God. One of the things that the Lord Uh, Throughout all of God's word, you see how key the heart of a person is to the Lord. The Lord said in Deuteronomy that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The Lord told the prophet Samuel, don't look on the outward appearance, that doesn't move me. What I'm looking at is the heart of a person. When David prayed, he prayed Renew or clean my heart, O God. Cleanse my heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Jesus talking about the Pharisees. He said, they are like hypocrites who draw near to me with their mouth. But their heart is far from me. Peter encouraged Christians everywhere. He said, I want you to love one another deeply from the heart. Love people from the heart. And then... Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, when he was praying for the Christians, he said, my prayer for you is that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. So the heart is what really matters to God. What really matters to God is the matter of the heart. So, but this brings us back to Solomon and what he said here in Proverbs chapter 4. Now, the thing that we know about these words of Solomon is that he learned He learned this. He learned this word. And then he wrote it. And then he shared it with his children, thereby every one of us. But he didn't live it over the long haul in his life. He said these words, but throughout the course of his life, he didn't actually live it. He said above all, guard your heart. But over the course of his life, he began to not guard his own heart. When Solomon became king, he was around 20 years of age. And one night the Lord showed up in a dream and said, Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? And Solomon said, well, I feel like a child trying to do a man's work. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead myself, let alone a nation. So God, if you would give me a heart of understanding, that would really be great. And the Lord was so pleased by his response about what what, uh, he wanted God to do for him that the Lord said to Solomon, I'll not only give you a heart of understanding, but I'll do a lot more for you, Solomon, if, if you obey my words and follow my decrees. You'll get everything you have. So Solomon, from this place of genuine desire, wanted to lead his own life, wanted to lead his nation with a heart of understanding. But as he grew older, his heart began to wander from the Lord. And he didn't guard his own heart. And his heart ended up becoming divided in its allegiance to God. And the interesting thing about this, he had a divided heart with God over the course of his life. And when he died, the nation itself became divided. Because he set the tone of what happened from that time on. Amen. You guys are quiet out there. Is it okay? All right. So I want to talk about this today. I want to talk about the heart. When we talk about the heart, the heart is the control center of your life, the heart is the core of who you are, and it reveals your deepest affections, your desires really your mindset, and also your will. So when Solomon says guard the heart, what is he talking about? Well, I want to talk about this today, and I want to take a look into our heart in one respect, and then I want to come back and talk about what it looks like to guard the heart. First of all, if we're going to guard our heart, we also, first of all, we need to diagnose any heart problems that we may have. That's the first thing that I want to talk about, talking about diagnosing our heart problems. Now, in Ephesians 4.23, this is, um, this is a different translation. This is what it says. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Everybody say issues. Anybody here have issues? Turn to somebody and say, I know you got issues, but I still love you. So he said, out of the heart flow... The issues of life. Solomon had heart issues over the long haul of his life. He had what we would call heart problems in his life that stem, or he had problems in his life, I should say rather, that stemmed from problems in his heart. Heart problems cause life issues. It's what we all need to understand. We all have issues of the heart that really come out of problems that we're not rightly understanding or dealing with or realizing that we carry these things. In 19... uh, 19... I'm not... Yeah, no, I'm sorry. In 2010, at the age of 47, I had a heart attack. I was shocked. I woke up one uh, morning, and all of a sudden, my heart was under attack. I got life flighted to Missoula, and uh, I didn't know that I had a bad heart until I woke up from surgery, and the doctor informed me, in fact, he didn't, even tell, he didn't just tell me, he showed me that I had blocked arteries in my heart, and uh, he, gave, he showed me the picture and the uh, video of, of, of the surgery that they gave me, and I realized then something that I didn't know. That I had problems in my heart. I had a problem with something going on in my physical heart. And my heart came under attack eventually. And we don't realize sometimes, similarly, that in our heart there are issues going on. And we don't catch it. We're not paying attention. But when I, before, I went under, before I had a heart attack, for several days leading up to that, I had these sensations in my chest, and I didn't realize what they are. I just thought it was, you know, too much pizza or something like that. But there was this, there was this tingling, there was this pressure, there was this quick burst of pain, and then it would go away when I was doing something physical. But I didn't realize it, and I didn't know then that this was warning signs. Something is going on in the heart, and you need to pay attention, and you need to deal with it. And I think in a similar way, spiritually, there are things that are going on in our heart. Now, we don't always know what's going on in our heart, but how many of you know that God knows what's going on in our heart? But also, not only does God know what's happening, but actually what's going on in the heart really will show up in the life if we're paying attention to the warning signs. Here's what Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19 says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. You can't hide, or you can't run away from the reality of what's going on in your heart, because it will show up in your life. It shows up in your attitudes. It shows up in your relationships. It shows up in the pattern and the cycle of the way you think about things. It shows up in how you react and respond to the things of God in your life. You can't hide it. It says right there, just like when you look at water, you see the, face of your, you see the reflection of your face, so your heart reflects everything that's going on on the inside. So we have to diagnose this. We need to to get to the bottom of it. And when I was reading through the book of Proverbs, I find different kinds of issues that go on in our heart. For instance, some of us might be dealing with a prideful heart. There's that. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5 says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. What is this issue about pride? Pride is the desire to be your own God, to run your own life, to live according to your own moral self-righteousness. Pride is being confident in your abilities and your accomplishments rather than leaning on the Lord and trusting in God. Pride is a lack of teachability. No one can tell you anything. And I know that pride exists with a lot with many of us more than we realize we have issues of pride. And here's what we need to know that God resists the proud. He stands up against the proud. Those who are carrying pride in their heart. God says, I'm resisting that. He's not throwing you into hell. He's not kicking you out of the kingdom. He's resisting the pride in your heart. And so, We need to remember that. Some of us are dealing not just with a prideful heart, but there are some of us who are dealing with a lustful heart or a heart of lust. Solomon said in Proverbs 6, verses 24 and 25, keep from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward woman, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. Watch what's going on in your heart where it concerns lust for somebody who doesn't belong to you. Be careful of the things that you're allowing your eyes to be captivated by. Whether it's a physical, literal person at work or down the street or somebody online or somebody on some site. Because this lust in the heart Will destroy you it will destroy your relationships if you don't deal with it amen now it would have been good for solomon to heed his own words i was reading in fact i think where i was prompted by this series was last year about a year ago this last march i was reading through the bible and i came to 1 Kings, and I started reading through the life of Solomon, and that's where I think all of this kind of came from, but I remember one day I was reading, and this is what I saw in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. It's just the opening line of that verse, if you want to bring it up, Sherry, and uh, it says this, Solomon loved the Lord. Would you say that with me? Solomon loved the Lord. Now, a couple of days later, when I was... Continuing on in my Bible reading, I came to chapter 11, verse 1, and it said these words, Sol- Solomon loved many foreign women. And when I saw that, I remembered what I had read the other day. Solomon loved the Lord. In fact, I stopped when I looked at it. It said, Solomon loved the Lord. And I was so, you know, taken by that. And then a couple days later, it says, Solomon loved women. Amen. You know, you can love God and still have a- lust problem you can really want the things of god you can really want to do god's will but still also have these other desires that get embedded in your spirit and here's the problem you can say well i really love god i really want the will of god i really love god but if you also retain these other kinds of loves eventually jesus said it like this you can't serve two masters Either you will love the one and hate the other, or you will despise the other and and love the one. You can't serve two. got to only serve one. And so if you allow these feelings to get in your spirit and hide them and don't expose them and bring them out and get with somebody who can help you with those issues, this thing can destroy your relationships. It certainly is going to destroy your confidence. In Christ, amen. Because you can't other loves that compete with Him, our love for God will diminish because you can't serve two. You can't serve two, amen. Here's, here's another uh, heart problem we have it's an anxious heart. Some of us struggle with a heart of anxiety and worry. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says that anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Worry is a heavy, hard, or uh, it's it's a very difficult thing to carry in the heart. Studies show that anxiety in the heart actually raises your blood pressure, it affects your heart rhythm, and it can bring on a heart attack. Studies also show that a really good laugh will increase the blood flow. Like if you will just really have joy and laugh, it'll just clear things up. Gives new meaning to don't worry, be happy. Amen. And But some of us are so filled with anxiety and we're so worried about so many things that it gets in the heart It's really a heart problem because I'm not trusting God. I'm not depending upon him. I'm not believing his word, but I'm allowing the problems of my life and the situations that I'm going through to dictate my emotions. And Jesus said, you don't have to worry about anything. God knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows everything that you're going through. And he knows what you need before you even ask him. All you need to do is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that you need in your life will be given to you. But if we don't heed those words and if we don't listen to what he's saying, then we're going to have an anxious heart. An anxious heart. Here's another heart problem that some of us deal with and it's called a discouraged heart. Or a depressed heart. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But longing fulfilled is the tree of life. Here's a different translation that says, that, uh, here's how the uh, good news translation does it. It says, when hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. And so sometimes when a longing, a desire, a promise, a dream isn't happening in our life, it crushes our heart. It, it gets on the inside of us. And some of us are walking around our life and we're full of sadness and we're full of despair and we're full of defeat. And we feel so completely and utterly discouraged about our life. We show up to work and we show up to church and we go through the motions and we put on a happy face and, uh, you know, don't worry, be happy. And we don't want people to know that we're really in pain, that we're really struggling, and that we're deeply discouraged. We're maybe discouraged about our marriage. We're maybe discouraged about our own ability to kind of get our life together. We're just discouraged in our life. And we don't know that this is a heart attack that's going on. This is is an attack on the heart that's trying to take us, rob us of the life That God wants us to have. And so this is a a heart problem. A discouraged heart. A depressed heart. Here's another one. A bitter heart. A bitter heart. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 10. Says "Each, each heart knows its own bitterness. And no one else can fully share its joy. Each heart knows its own bitterness. And no one can fully share its joy. In the New Testament, this scripture won't come up, but in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Because what bitterness is in you corrupts other people. That's what it goes on to say. And so, bitterness is like a poison That if it gets in our blood, it can affect our lives. And it doesn't just affect us, but it touches everybody else around us. The predictable pattern of bitterness in a person's life is it starts, first of all, with somebody hurting you. It's a wound. It's something that somebody did or didn't do to you or for you. And that gets on the inside of you, and then you become disappointed or maybe disillusioned about that and then if that isn't dealt with anger begins to set in and when you become an angry person you become unforgiving and so then this bitter person rises up in you and you have a there's a bitterness of heart and what bitter a bitter person will tend to hold on to a grudge and here's another thing about bitter people is that they're easily offendable that you can't hardly Have you ever walked around somebody and you're like, I gotta? It's like walking on eggshells around this person. Amen. Hello out there. Are you sitting next to that person? Is that why you're not saying anything? Bitter people are really prickly people. And it's hard to get close to them because they're so easily offendable. And it comes back to this idea. that they didn't forgive, which means they didn't properly deal with their anger because the Bible says be angry and sin not. You're not going to stop anger from rising up. It's how you handle the anger that comes. And so they didn't properly deal with the anger and because because they didn't deal with the disillusionment, they, they, they got all crazy about what happened and why God would allow this and why they couldn't Why they couldn't, um, excuse me, how come they couldn't fix their behavior? And so, and then it all traces back to the wound that person gave. Hey, thank you. Here we go with those awkward moments again. Thank you, Isaac. And so, a bitter person is a person who's easily offendable. Bitter people also tend to look past the log in their eye and see the speck in another person's eye. They look right past all their stuff and they can only see their stuff, your stuff. And you know you got a heart problem. When it's always the blame game. It's always their fault. Sometimes we think, I need a new husband or a new wife. No, you need a new heart. I need a new job. You need a new heart. I need a new church. You need a new heart. Amen. If it's always everybody else, it's really probably always you. Amen. That's why when people come to me and complain about one thing or another, and I've done it too to other people over this issue or that issue, really when I'm listening to this, I realize what they're saying about everything else, everybody else, eventually they'll say about me. Amen. I've had people sit down and talk to me. I had a young person came a few years ago, and uh, he sat down and talked to me about all the other churches in town that he had to confront and then ended up leaving. And while we were fellowshipping, and, how, and he had just shared how much he loved the church and he loved the preaching of the church and he loved our worship in every aspect, as he was telling me all the places that did it wrong, didn't do it right, and he had to confront them, I knew in the back of my mind, we're next. And I was right. I'm not always right, but I was right about that one. It was a few years down the road, but a few years down the road, we had to come to Jesus meeting because, with me because I didn't do it right. Amen. Can you believe I didn't do it right? That didn't shock any of you. Amen. (laughs) That's a bitter heart. Amen. So there are are a variety of heart problems we all have, and I think it's good to diagnose it. Like when the doctor said to me, he said, here here was your heart problem. You had clogged arteries. One of them was 100% clogged. The other, the other one was 75%. He put stents in both of them. And he showed me on the screen that when they put the stent in where there was no blood flow, all of a sudden there was a flow. And that's what God wants to do to the heart. But you don't know you have it until it's diagnosed. And when you diagnose what you got, is it pride? Is the issue for you right now in your life lust? Is the issue... Depression and discouragement over what's not going on? Are you anxious? Are you worried? Whatever it is, it's important that we know what it is so we know how to handle it. And that's where I want to get to now. I want to talk about maintaining a healthy heart, and I want to deal with this. Now, remember what Solomon said in chapter 4, verse 23. He said, above all else, the most important thing is to guard your heart. That's the most important. And that word guard means what it says to set like a guard. Watch over your heart. Watch over what's going on in your heart. Watch over what's coming into your heart. Watch over your influences. Watch over the things that are happening. Set a guard over your heart. And the very word assumes, the very the, the very use of the word guard assumes that there are things trying to creep in. There are places where your heart comes under attack. And be aware of those things, be aware of those entry points, be aware of the things that you're allowing yourself to see, engage, uh, uh, allow to be a part of your life, whatever, just... Be aware, set a guard, because Satan is looking for any way he can get a foothold in the heart of who you are. So be aware of it. Guard your heart. And Solomon, and this is where we're going to come back. We're going to look at the words in in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27, and we're going to break it down. Solomon shares some things. He says, here's how You can guard your heart. He essentially says in these verses of Scripture, this is the way to guard your heart. And they're very clear, they're very simple, but they're very instructional ideas that you and I, this is how we set a guard over our heart. First, he says, open your ears. Open your ears and listen to what God is saying. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22, look at it. He says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them written in your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and they are health to one's whole body. Solomon said, here's the most important thing as it relates to guarding your heart. Open your ears to the word of God Open your understanding to what God says. Have a hearing ear and pay very close attention to the word of God. Not just the preaching of it, but the reading of it. And when God comes and speaks to you and he shares things with you, lean into what God says. It's life to your body. He said it's health to your body to have a a listening ear, an ear open to the Lord. Amen. David said, how can I keep my way pure? By hiding your word in my heart. How can I stay on the course that God wants for me? How can I protect my heart from all these other influences and these attacks of the enemy? The pride, the lust, hiding the word of God in your heart is key. Putting it in your heart. Listen to what God says. So We need to be attentive to the Word of God. We need to absorb it into our spirit. We need to apply it to our life because hearing, a hearing ear, is health to the body. Amen. We need to listen to what God is saying. Come on, church. Amen. Amen. And then he says, not only open your ears, but watch your words. In verse 24 of chapter 4, he says, Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. What you say, how you say it, affects your heart. Now Jesus taught us, he said, evil talk comes from out of the heart. But we also know that the way I can communicate what I say, there is life and death is in the power of the tongue. So if I'm speaking death, then how's that going to affect my heart? How's that going to affect my life? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. What we say comes from the heart but the heart is affected by what we say. Now, I don't don't think this scripture is up there, but in Proverbs 15 and 1, it says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So, if you don't want to have an argument, stop yelling. Shut your mouth. That's what he says there. A gentle answer turns away wrath, But a harsh word just keeps stirring it up. Amen. Have you ever argued, have you ever talked with somebody and you were in a dispute, nobody was yelling, but you knew they weren't listening to what you were saying, they were waiting for you to stop so they could tell you what it's really like. And sometimes, but, so think of it this way, if that's what happens between you and me when we're talking to one another, gentleness turns things turns things down right how much more is that true for us in the way we talk in our life about ourselves to ourselves or about issues around us if we will speak differently we're guarding our own heart but if all is coming out of our mouth is complaint and negativity and anger, and just spewing out all this stuff all the time. All we're doing is weakening our own heart. And so we need to watch our words. Psalms 19 verse 14 says, David prayed these prayers. He said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let my mouth and my heart sink up. Let my words be right, be pleasing words. Amen, because this is a guard of your heart. Also, David said, not only must we open our ears and watch our words, but we need to focus our attention. Verse 25, chapter four, verse 25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. This means keep your eye firmly fixed on the goal. John said that the lust of the eye is the eye that is allured by distractions and passions other than having an affection for God. Jesus warned about people who put their hand to the plow, but they're looking back. And people who are not looking forward, are not going to go forward. You can't go forward if you're looking back. You have to get your eyes on the Lord. Amen, church? Amen. It's lonely up here today. But we're all in this together, right? If I go down, you go down with me. Sorry. We need to focus our attention. He also said... We need to control our thoughts. Look at verse 26. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet. Everybody say, think about it. So Solomon is saying, if you want to guard your heart, you have to give careful thought to where you're going. Control your thoughts. Control the way you think. That word, give careful thought, that word means to weigh it out in the sense of think it through. Where are you going? Why are you going there? Think about it. Set your mind to this. The heart and the mind are so closely linked that it's hard to really make a distinction. Now, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, uh, in the New Century version, says it like this. Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. That's, That's the same verse that said, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. So, this translation says, it's really, the heart is really how you think. It's the way you think about life. It's the way you think about your life. It's the way you think about your stuff, your responsibilities. So he says, you've got to control the way you think. Be careful how you think because your thoughts run your life. Here's Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So the scripture right there says the way you think that's really in your heart. And from your heart is how you think. And when you think a certain way, you know what? That's what you are. Amen. This is really important because your mind is a powerful thing. And you the way that we think about things really brings us into certain pathways in our life that we end up on. And we're like, how did I get here? Probably because it was in your head. Amen. Amen. Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So do you see what Paul did there? Going back to that first verse, Sherry. He said, set your heart on things above. And he says, here, here's what I mean by setting your heart on things above. Verse 2, set your mind on things above. Because where your mind is, that's where your heart goes. And so how you think affects your heart. Jesus said, whatever is your treasure, that's where your heart goes. Your heart follows the things that are most important to you. And the way you think about things and the way you conduct your life, that's where your heart goes after. So he said, here's how you set your heart. Set your mind. Start thinking differently about you. Start thinking differently about what God wants for you. The will of God, the word of God, the ways of God. When we control our thoughts, we can change our life. Amen. When we control our thoughts, we can change our life. If you really want to change, we have to start thinking differently. Setting our minds on things above, not on things beneath. Amen, church? Amen. And then he says, the final thing he says here is that you need to guide your steps. So here's, let's just look at it real quick. He said, open your ears. This is how you maintain a healthy heart. Open up your ears and listen to what God is saying. Watch your words, because your words affect your heart. And then he says, control your thoughts. Or actually, I skipped over one. Focus your attention or fix your eyes. Look straight ahead. Keep your focus. Don't be distracted. And then he said, you need to control your thoughts. But the final thing, he says, is you need to guide it your steps, or direct your steps to where you want to go. Now look at verses 26 and 27. He says, Give careful thought to the paths of your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but and keep your feet from evil. Now Proverbs is about the pathway of life that's what the book of proverbs is about it's about this path or this path there are not five paths of life there are two god's path or the or our path and they're not always the same amen the book basically says there's life and there's death there's wisdom And there's folly. There's fidelity and there's adultery. There's anger and there's slow to anger. There's rashness or there's a prudent life. There's it it just brings it down all through the book of Proverbs. There's this way and there's this way. There's not a multiplicity of different ways about going at life. You either go God's way or you don't go God's way. It's basically what it's saying. So in your relationships, in your friendships, in your marriage, in your finances, in all the things that really matter to a life, an abundant life, there's either God's way, and if it's not God's way, it's the wrong way. And he says, you have to determine to keep your steps on God's way. Don't go to the right, don't go to the left, stay on the road. There isn't another way. We have to start making choices and decisions that keep us on what Jesus called, by the way, the straight and narrow way, which leads to life because the way that leads to death is broad and everybody's on that way. Those are the words of Christ. So there isn't, there isn't, um, there isn't any other way to life than to go God's way. And he says right here, Solomon says, "...do not turn to the right or to the left." Keep your foot from evil. Proverbs also says in chapter 14, verse 12, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it's death. Sometimes we think that we're doing this right, when really we're not doing it God's way at all. And he says, if you stay on that way, it's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to death. And so, God wants to heal the heart. God wants to bring life to the heart. But you and I have to guide our steps. We have to watch our words. We have to fix our gaze. We have to control our thoughts. This is how you guard your heart. This is how you keep the heart healthy, functioning and alive. I love what David said. Can somebody come to the keys to help me? Thank you, Katie. David said, A broken and contrite heart the Lord will not despise. A broken and contrite heart gets God's attention. What does that mean? That means that today, if you and I are struggling with anything in our heart, with anything, the Lord said the key is just be broken about it. Not shamed, not disgraced, but a broken And contrite heart that says, God, I need you to fix my heart. I need you to do surgery on me. I feel there's some blockages that are keeping me from living the life. I'm losing, it's almost like admitting where we may have lost our heart. Maybe it's lost in bitterness, or maybe it's lost in anxiousness, or maybe, it's, maybe it is captivated by lust, and it's really, there's just a deep struggle in the heart. And the Lord's saying, I'm, here's the pathway to heal your, uh, to maintain a healthy heart, but I can heal your heart too. I can, do, I can do a work in your heart to bring life. And I believe he wants to do that today. So would you stand with me all over this place, and let's, let's just wait just for a moment in the presence of God. Lord, we just stand in your presence right now. Just pray, Lord, that you would come in this moment. And just say what you want to say and do what you want to do in our hearts right now. God, we just pray, Lord, that you would do an open heart surgery on us right now in this moment. In your presence. Your word says that. Your word is living and active. And sharper than any two-edged sword. And that it's able. To discern. It's able to repair. In the deepest parts. Of our heart. And I just pray for any one of us God. Who are struggling and our heart is under attack, God, I just pray that today you would bring healing and restoration. Could I have those who are uh, the prayer team, if you would just go ahead and come forward at this time and just be prepared to pray for anyone. Let's just wait just for a moment in the presence of the Lord. God, we need you right now. We need you, God. We need your healing touch. We need your healing power right now. For anyone, Lord, who wants to bring their heart to the altar of your presence, God, and allow you to move in them and work in them. I'm just going to invite you now, if you want prayer for anything, you can just go ahead and make your way. I will just kind of close with a prayer and... After I'm done praying, you're free to go. But if you would like prayer, if you need prayer in any way, go ahead and come forward and we will pray with you about anything God has opened up to you today. Father, bless your kids, I pray today. I pray that we would walk out in the fullness of the Holy Spirit today. I pray, God, that we would be a light in the darkness, that we would bring love where there is no love, that we would bring hope in the face of hopelessness. I pray, God, that you'd give us courage to be your people out there in the world. As we go out there this next week, God, we pray for power and we pray for grace to move in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen. God bless you. Have a great day.